You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruiting fans by Sooners360.com. Each week, we catch you up on the latest OU recruiting news and provide opinions and evaluations on all things OU football recruiting. I'm Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst for Sooners360.com. I'm joined this week by my co-host, Caleb Cummings, uh, Sooners360.com talent evaluator and opinion creator. And this is episode 54, titled Another Month, Another Verbal. Kind of playing off last week's title that we're, we've rolled into November, Caleb, and uh, we'll begin with the latest in student recruiting news, Caleb, and that, once again, is commitment news. So we will start right off the bat with perhaps, I feel so bad for Reggie Powers with perhaps the, the most ill-timed commitment, um, I think, in the last several years. If somebody, I believe the Scoop guys on their podcast mentioned that they had someone had timed it on their message board and said that his his Twitter post, his X post, landed like in sync with um, Jaleel Farouk's fumble. So, um, and of course, with the rain delay, weather delay thing, uh, his 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 uh, X post hit. I think at like um, three forty five Eastern time. So, you know, I think he thought the game would be over. I was, I was hoping the game would be over by then. Um, so uh, he was, he was, so poor Reggie got, of course, post game, uh, you know, uh, I, I run out, you know, I post our recruiting stuff on our message board. I made our way to our message board and tried to get some Reggie Powers discussion going while um, there was a parade of, um, uh, of our posters. Uh, finding their lanterns and their pitchforks and their torches uh, and looking up, trying to find Jeff Levy's home to uh, rally and march uh, march on it. So uh, no one was really that interested in talking about Reggie Powers' commitment, which was a shame because it was, uh, he committed, you know, I think everyone had thought that it was, I, I, I had sort of targeted the official visit for the West Virginia game as when he was going to commit because you know, that kind of made sense, right? Come in for the official visit and then commit then. But apparently he he looks like he probably told the coaches uh, on his unofficial visit for the UCF game. So OU did a fantastic job closing on this guy. And he's recently been re-ranked by 247 in the top 200. And uh, I think he's going to end up probably around a top 200 kid, you know, 
I think consensus for both of the for both of the services for the most of the services. So this is a good pickup. He's from Ohio. Uh, OU going into Ohio taking uh, taking a player, another player from Ohio. I think the last Ohio defender would have been Brian Asamoah. Does that sound right, Caleb? Yeah, that that is the last, maybe the last guy Oklahoma signed from Ohio. Yeah, um, and and Brian Brian had a very good Sooner career. I think we all kind of wished we'd had an extra year of Brian and could have seen Brian under last year at linebacker. Although he had a pretty good rookie year with the Vikings, I haven't tracked him as much this year. But I think he's doing. I think they're happy with him. He's doing well. Um, In fairness, I don't think many people have tracked the Vikings this year. Yeah, so um, that's certainly true. So, uh, but the last guy, like I said, Brian Asamoah, again, a nice, big, long athlete who ended up being, you know, having a really good senior, having a good sort of pseudo senior year in uh, in two thousand and twenty one. And and uh, I certainly wish he had returned for another year. We could have used him at linebacker last year. That would have been. Uh, I think he would have had a. I think he would have had a. He'd had a great. I think he would have had a much better year under Brent and could have helped his draft ranking. So, but anyway. Um, According to some background information, this was actually a pretty big recruiting win for Michigan State back in the spring. Ohio State was kind of high on Reggie, and Michigan State was able to win out. Um, their ex-coach was a really good defensive recruiter, was able to get good defensive talent across the board. Um, and uh, I think um, – so Ohio State didn't re-engage with Reggie because they've, they've got in some other guys – um, you know, Ohio State's added some other guys in their commitment class, so they didn't have a spot to go back and re-engage. But uh, Reggie was all set to go out to UCLA for uh, an official visit, and everyone might say, "Well, that's UCLA." If you haven't been watching, if you have not been paying attention, UCLA is playing really good defensive football the last two years. So uh, the UCLA defensive coaches have been doing a good job recruiting and a good job um, uh, bringing in transfer talent. They actually have a uh, an NFL first round pick defensive lineman on their roster right now. So uh, someone who's highly ranked, probably maybe in the top 15. So, you know, UCLA in the past, you ought to said, well, you know, that's, that's not a, that's not any barometer, but no, they're playing really good defense right now. So uh, the fact that he had a, an offer from there was a, uh, is a, uh, that OU closed it out and was able to get him was kind of a real good sign. So yeah, I'm no, like, think, Caleb, go ahead, Caleb. I was going to say, I think UCLA is like a, I know they're in the neighborhood of like a top 15 defense. Uh, I know, I think people forget what, and he was kind of groundbreaking in a lot of what Chip Kelly did from a scouting perspective, right? When he was at Oregon, like he really brought a lot of like really deep personnel analytics. They were doing things. I know Barry would love some of the stuff, right? Like femur links. They were, you know, uh, measuring, they were measuring like circumference of, uh, uh, of the knee, uh, and there's some measurements around. Like they were just getting really in depth on that, and but that's you know it, it really paid off. They had even when tracking he was at, player player tracking player speed and and practice, yeah, and movement and all that stuff. They were they were ahead of everybody. In, in, oh yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of of, uh, of the of the linebacker they had played for uh, the Bills and the Dolphins. I think he's still probably in the league. Holland, Holland. That doesn't sound right. He's a Justin big, Holland. I mean, I think he's still. I'm thinking, you know, he's still not, probably not that made, guy. Not oh Holland, no, that no. Holland. Yeah, he was teammates of uh, uh, Miles Garrett, in which I believe he still is in the league. But he's a good example of 
all of their analytics paying off. He was, you know, in uh, at Arlington uh, Lamar, I guess it was right, no, not Lamar, right. Arlington yeah. Martin. He was, you know, this lean kind of basketball looking guy, and they turned him into again, you know, an NFL defender. Uh, you had Deion Jordan, they took, which is this lean athlete out of uh, right. I think Arizona, and turned him into an absolute like, you know, like first ballot Hall of Fame off the bus type guy. I know he didn't have a Hall of Fame career, but like if you were drawing up a guy in a lab for an edge defensive end, uh, you, you know, it would probably be he, he'd be up there. He and he and Miles Garrett probably right, but uh, yeah, UCLA. It's taken Chip a little bit of time to completely reinvent that program, flip the entire roster and do things. But he's, he's done a great job in, you know, again, like I always kind of go back to like, he, he goes very in depth on player scouting as it relates to who they're, you know, who they target. So, you know, uh, some people may see UCLA and think, eh, you know, UCLA and Ohio State, right? And I think everybody knows Ohio State's produced defensive backs like crazy for probably a decade since Urban showed up and what was it, 11 or 12? Uh, and, you know, for Ohio State to offer an in-state kid, they really like you because they, because nine times out of 10, you know, all, you know, uh, in-state offers from Ohio go to Ohio State. Exactly. So it's it's. I think it's a it's a good pickup. We'll go a little more in depth on Reggie here in a bit in a in our in our second segment. So the so it was it was Carl Albert night in Oklahoma and for <laughs> you recruiting fans. So we'll talk about the first bit that we've been talking about on the pod for a little bit that we thought was going to happen, and then we'll go a little more in depth into the into the surprise the surprise event of today. So. First off, Marcus James, the 6'4", 200, 210-pound linebacker, athlete um, from Carl Albert, who was previously at, I think, Bishop Bishop McGinnis. Yeah. Um, Committed. His film is really good for this year. He's a fantastic-looking athlete. If you're on our message board, you saw Caleb posting a a photo of him on the hoof, and he's, he's all arms, all... It's all highway with him, right? It's all like his potential is his his room to improve and get better is just sky high. It's just it's it's like a hockey stick, right? It could be get him in a strength and conditioning weight room, get him with Schmitty and a and a training table, and get him with the OU uh, train coaching staff at linebacker. And Marcus James could Marcus James could be a name we're talking about in several years as a as a big time a contributor for OU. He's He's got that kind of potential. So, Caleb, I know you like Marcus and adding him to the class is that's a nice piece for OU. I think he's he's three star right now, high three star. I think he vaults into the top two fifty, top two hundred list as soon as he gets into some camp, some some camps, and some folks see him, you know, running around with his frame and just you know just watching his just watching his raw athleticism. I've got a, I, I want to tell a joke here, but I don't think, I don't know that anybody would get it or, or know even the reference of Jerry Clower, the former comedian from the South, right? So Southern comedian. Is Hee-haw, probably, right? Hee-haw. No, I think Jerry Clower, he just had like a set of like cassette tapes and things. Okay. He All was right. a funny right. guy, right? But he played at Mississippi State, like post-World War II, 
right? Oh, okay. And he and he told this funny joke. It's like he never seen a football game, and he showed up, you know, in his to university at Mississippi State University, GI Bill into World War II, you know, big big strong guy walks in, got a shirt tucked in, chest poked out, and the coach looks at him and goes, "Oh, boy, I'll give you half scholarship just looking at you." You know, and so to, like to me, like Marcus James in a, in a joking way is kind of the same way from his ranking. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, well, I'd give that guy four stars just looking at him on the hoof. You know, but then you you watch him get out and run and move. And you're like, okay, like that's him being a three star. I, again, I think it's just it'll work itself out. It'll, it'll work itself out. It's not paying attention to certain things because that guy, to me, it's and we've talked about this. I think in the early. And this, I mean, I guess it was whatever you want to call winter, spring, one of our podcasts, we talked about, you know, misses in the past that cost Oklahoma. Right. right? And I remember like I went on this discussion and we talked about, you know, I, th- I thought it holds true, right? Like those years, whether it was three, four, eight, nine, because all the injuries, uh, right, even even seven because, you know, Sam, he doesn't get the concussion in Lubbock. Oklahoma probably play Oklahoma plays for a national title that year. Right. Yeah, they probably uh, win one. They probably win one. That team was they, that talented. That, they, that, that, they, that team was that talented and neither Florida or Ohio state that year were really very good. Uh, was it Florida or was it L- it was LSU? It was LSU. LSU got it even Ohio worse State. LSU. It was an even worse LSU team. And a, and yeah, a, it was a weaker and a weaker Ohio state team. Too. It was the weird year where, West Virginia was one, Missouri was two in the final week of the season. Oklahoma beat the crap out of number two Missouri in San Antonio for the title. And West Virginia lost to Pitt in a snowy blizzard like backyard brawl, which was great. That, right? that quarterback was hurt. It was just a mm-hmm. whole whole uh whole combo of bad things. Right, right. But you know, those teams, I said this at that time we did that podcast, like you would look at it and you would say, like, gosh, it was always one or two misses here and there. And you could backtrack, you could look at 08 and be like, God darn it. If they would have landed Mike Morgan at linebacker in like 2006, then, you know, he's starting at the will. And so if, you know, if when box does go down, you've got Travis Lewis in there or, you know, I'm sorry, when uh, Ryan Reynolds goes down, you're plugging in Travis Lewis. And box was hurt hurt, like through fall camp, right? He didn't get healthy until mid season. So, but there was all these injuries where you're like, you're one guy off. Right, and, he, and, and then he gets hurt in the OSU game where the guy deliberately clipped his knee, and then we didn't have right. Austin Box for the didn't have Austin Box for the uh, bowl game, and you had to play Mike Balligan. And if you yeah. had Box at Mike linebacker, he maybe makes some of those as he's just a quicker, quicker, better athlete. Oh, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was really coming into his own that yeah, in so, late late OA. But like, I just I bring that up in the sense of like you look at that team. And you would say, gosh, one miss here, one miss there, right? It was Roy yeah. Miller. I don't know if he was committed to Oklahoma. He was. Or he, he was. was briefly, yeah, and then, and then he went to a junior day at Texas, and he flips to Texas. Well, gosh, you know, Oklahoma has DeMarcus Granger. He gets one of the worst cheap shots in the history of football against Washington. Yeah. Tears his ankle, and and I think, you know, hurt his back that play. Well, if you've got Roy Miller, now you've got, you know, with Adrian Taylor and, and GK, you've got three NFL tackles, right? And so it's always right. been – one miss here, one miss there. The fine line between really being an all-time dominant team and just losing in the national title game Jeremy is Macklin. your Jeremy Macklin should have been one of the one of the 08 wide receivers, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so that's another good example of like that 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 margin between again like being 
good conference champ or all-time great is your ability or you know the the program's ability to continually stack talent upon talent. And so to me that's where Marcus James is it really shines a light on as you look at okay from a linebacker perspective and we know what Brett wants to do he wants to funnel so he puts a lot on the linebackers and that's why Marcus is such a good fit is because he's big he's athletic he can run he can blitz he can drop into coverage you know he he can do he's everything he's kind of the, your five tool you know will linebacker right well you know now you've gone you're going to go three consecutive classes of saying, okay, well, we're going to stack up, you know, Lewis Carter, Sammy Ogasigo, and then we're going to go get James Nesta, and then we're going to get Marcus James, and then we're going to, you know, we're going to put these, we're going to go get Jonah Williams. You're just going to continually stack those guys up to where, and Brent talks about competitive depth a lot, but that to me is like, it's, it's massive for the 25 class because of how talented he is. I think his, you know, if you said, "Hey, he's a he's a mid four star as a, as a prospect," but if you wanted to say, "What is the upside?" Well, the upside is, you know, like really, really high. It's much higher than that, just given his ability. But yeah, you know, that underlying story of continually stacking talent upon talent upon talent. It's something that uh, Riley never could do. And if we're being really, really honest with ourselves, right? Bob failed to do after Bob, 09. Yeah, Bob and after O nine. Yeah. Yeah. Bob it just it just fell apart. Guys out. He just wasn't wasn't clicking. But um yeah. one interesting name. Well, I think the interesting one of the schools he's interested in, he was listing it in his top five, Marcus did that, that wasn't really a top five. Everyone knew he was gonna you was Utah. Hmm. And you do you remember the Utah linebacker last year? Lloyd last year, Lloyd, I believe. Yeah. He kind of reminds me of James a little bit, like 6'4", 230, all over the field, just, just, uh, just an absolute, just an absolute beast at linebacker that plays everywhere. I think he was like 6'3", 230, coming out of yeah. Utah. Just Devin Devin Lloyd. He Devin was Lloyd, twenty seventh pick, plays for the Jaguars. Uh, yeah, just now. a fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he, like out of high school, he's like 6'3", 210. You know, and then Utah doing what Utah does, right? Yep. They take they take guys like that and they just develop them. So that's that's one of the better comps. That that's a really good comp. Even just looking at him physically, you know, Devin came out of Utah at six uh six three, two thirty-seven, right? Ran four six, uh ran four six six, a vertical thirty-five. Like that's just uh and I can remember him, right? To your point, yeah. he was this great as a blitzer, he was a monster. And then watching him drop and play, you know, just traditional linebacker, you were like, gosh, that's a, he's, he's, he's really long armed like Marcus is. And you'd say, gosh, he, you know, you just look at him on the hoof and you think, okay, that's going to be predominantly an edge, kind of more of a blitzing linebacker because of his length. But then you'd watch him, you know, drop into space and run sideline to sideline. And you, that's why he was the 27th pick. Yeah. So out of high school, he was listed as a safety. He had a 5.4 rating, Devin Lloyd did. <laughs> and he's 6'4", 210. There, and there, there you which go. Is, which is why. Um, so that was uh, that just that that moment of brief inspiration just jumped into my mind when we were talking about some NFL guys. By the way, the, the UCLA defensive end that's going to be drafted in the top 15 picks is Leatu Latu. Uh, oh, it was a lot to. Close, huh? yeah, yeah, to close that loop, to close that loop. So, all right, Caleb, so. That was the expected action, and 
in the middle of putting in my leftover pizza from Detroit-style uh, pizza restaurant, Emma Squared in Atlanta. Shout out to Emma Squared. Really good Detroit-style pizza. If you're looking for Detroit-style pizza, I had it last night. So I had leftovers. What is Detroit-style pizza? You don't know what Detroit-style pizza is? I, mean, I know Chicago and New York. I didn't know Detroit had their own well. As well. It's, it's, it's like a rectangle, and it's deep dish, and they, oh. put, the sauce, they put the sauce on top. Oh, okay. But you get the but you get these corners that are just caramelized and crusty, and it's and it's deep dish, but it's not like super thick. It's kind of it's a little bit of light light and airy, um, and it's really good. So I was heating that up, thinking, oh, okay, well I'll get back in time for the Marcus James commitment, and then uh, I turned around, lost track of time for ten minutes, and I come back and Trinae Washington commits to OU at Marcus James's <laughs> ceremony. I uh, just watched video of it, courtesy of the guys over at Two Four Seven. Uh, it's on YouTube if you want to go look at it. Uh, they were at the they were at, they were at the announcement, and I think Eddie Radosevich from Scoop, our competitors at Scoop, he was also there to film Marcus James. And in the middle of the at the end of Marcus James's announcement, he says, "Well, I got something else for you guys." And then his buddy Trene Washington comes to the table with all of all of uh, James's family. Um, Marcus hands him an OU hat, and then Trene Washington committed. Now, I think the OU insider guys, I think Brandon Drum knew this was, was, this was falling. He's pretty heavily connected with Kevin Sperry, and he, he knows the, the guys at Carl Albert, so we'll, we'll props to him for that. So I think he kind of, he did, was hinting at, had been hinting at this, I think, a little bit. So, but, you know, he didn't out the kid at all. So no one, the other sites, I think, were caught flat-footed, including us on this. So. They kept in the day and age of true recruiting surprises. They pulled off a recruiting surprise. Now, uh, Caleb, you and I off 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 microphone or during an, a, a Reese other pod, like way back when these offers all started going out in the summer, we talked about Trene Washington, and you and I definitely in our admin chat have talked about Trene. So I didn't have him in the list of guys. Instead, I thought OU was going to take because. I was just confused as to where OU would play him. So he just talked to uh, the guys at OU247, OU Sooners Illustrated, that's what they call themselves, uh, to be be fair. And he said that they view him as a flexed-out tight end or a big wide receiver. So, Caleb, I think that's an interesting place to use tonight. That's an interesting spot for him in the 2025 class, considering OU already has... Um, Elijah Thomas from Dakota, Grayson Harris from Texas, and Jaden Nickens from OKC Millwood at wide receiver. And they're still recruiting Andrew Marsh at wide receiver and Isaiah Mosey at wide receiver, both guys who were in the top 75 marches, bordering on top 25 on a couple of sites. So, and at tight end, they've got, they've got, uh, sorry, uh, Nate Roberts, Desan Brom. Uh, Lincoln Rule and Chase Lofton, and if C.J. Nixon wants to play tight end, I'm going to let C.J. Nixon do whatever he wants. The talented guy from Weatherford. So uh, it seems like wide receiver and tight end are a little burgeoning at the seams, but that's where they want to play. Trene Washington. Um, I'm just I'm stammering a little bit because I wasn't quite prepared to talk about Trene. Um, Today, I didn't think this was happening. So, Caleb, wh- where do you see him playing? And 
And he, if he's truly if he's truly six four, two ten, which is what he's listing on his huddle right now. So let's just say that's right. Okay. Yeah. He looks about the, he looks about the exact same size as Marcus James had their little video today. And I just watched a couple of his highlights, and he looks that big. He looks that big, flexed out. So he's he's ten fifteen pounds away from being a flex uh, flex out tight end. So. Uh, what do you think about him as, as that is his position for OU? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, look, I, I hate to, I'd hate to ever just like mislead or blow smoke. And so I would say my feelings on Trene Washington as a flexed out tight end are completely dependent upon you telling me what scheme, what offensive scheme Oklahoma is running when he plays tight end in Oklahoma. Okay. If he plays tight end in this version that we see right now today, then I don't like it. I think it's a poor fit, and I think it could be, you know, and you wonder how he gets on the field, right? You wonder how he well, gets on the field, right? Kind of like they would qualify it in saying, looking at him, I do agree, right? He's got, he's a, there's multiple pictures you can find of him online and things like he's, it's one of these little things you kind of always look at, right? Like he doesn't, he's not, he doesn't carry a lot of, he doesn't have a lot of real good size, like in his shoulders or his arms upper back kind of that shelf like rear delt and just traps and things so i, I don't know that he's as wide as like marcus you know and marcus you look at you know marcus is a thicker kid in those areas and just the way his uh you know way he's built way he's thrown together body type i think he's gonna he'll gain weight real quick and lean mass real easy and i don't know if the same is true for trenay meaning like i don't know if he's gonna be 240 or 235. He may be, right? Yeah. He he may become that. But the reason I don't like him as a fit in the offense is uh it's a waste having a tight end of his of his particular skill set where he is a flex tight end, right? He right. is going to be a flex, he's going to be a move, he's kind of your second tight end that you're gonna play uh in some regards, right? He's just he's a different type of player. Than uh, than a Nate Roberts, than the kid from Goodland, Kansas that they just offered Lincoln Cure, who's six six two twenty, right? You look at the t- you know in in the kid they've got uh, this year at tight end, uh, which help me his name is Davon Mitchell, Davon Mitchell. Mitchell, right? Six four ish, two forty five, two fifty. He's very different, and so I don't know how he fits in terms of where in this scheme. Where you ask your tight ends to run, got two routes, you know, and then it's we're going to have you in split zone. You've got to go. You've got to go out here and you've got to crack and kick out the defensive end. Or we're going to have you leading up on a middle linebacker. Are you really going to ask him to do that? Do you really see him growing into this guy? We're like, hey, we want you to when we play Georgia and we play Alabama and we play LSU, we want right. you leading up on their middle linebacker twenty five snaps a game. Like, so I would say like. I hope, and we've talked about this a little bit, right? I just, you know, haven't seen any of it this year. So I can't say that it's even at all likely unless Brent steps in uh, that Oklahoma makes like a 
a, a fairly decent shift with Lebby as offensive coordinator where they say, hey, we want to implement a lot of different concepts and we want to do use our personnel and different personnel packages in different formations. You know, if he told me like that's what they were going to do and he was going to be that a second tight end that was paired with, I like it. I like it. I think he's uh, athletic. He he's got the ability to like a receiver because he plays wide receiver. He's 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 much quicker in and out of his breaks, ability to accelerate, decelerate, which is you know how you're going to be able to create separation. I think it's one of those small things they don't talk about a lot that like Brock Bowers does so well. Absolutely not comparing Trinae to Brock Bowers, just meaning like Brock's ability to you know just get up to full speed gear back down really quickly, break, and his body control is one of those small things where everybody's always like, why aren't they covering the best tight end in college football? It's like, well, he's really good and he doesn't want to be covered. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> he has something He has something to do with that. Yeah. So, do you, uh, have, do you have the best coverage linebacker in college football? Yeah. Yeah. You know, do you have a six foot four, 235-pound, 4'5 guy to cover him? See, and who, that who to me court, is – Who has cornerback skills? If you don't, and, so, you know, hey – Okay, so that's my thing where, like you said, like with Trene, where I'm like, look, I, I leave it up to the coaches. But when we watch his film, one of the first things that stuck out to me, he's out there playing corner and he's running with folks. Yeah. And you just said, so what you just described, you said, hey, did you have a six foot four, 235, yeah, dude, 230 pound yeah, linebacker that can run and cover like a corner? Maybe. Uh, it's, I don't know. I look at him and I think, gosh, you know, uh, Maybe that's part of the genius of like taking a kid of his skill set is you can say, we're going to play a tight end. If that doesn't work out, we can kick you over to Cheetah and play you a Sam linebacker. Or, or he's, or he becomes a true safety, right? He's, or yeah, if he's, you're exactly right. If his, if his frame, you, we see that sometimes, right? Guys just like, Hey, this, this guy, let's say, and I don't think this will be the case, but in this discussion, let's say he, he struggles to gain weight, right? He's a Lewis, he's a Lewis Baker. Everybody remembers, you know, Oklahoma took, I think God gonna be if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, there were two top linebackers in Texas that year. It was Lewis Baker and Robert Killebrew. Killebrew went to Texas and did become like Actually, a two hundred forty. The third guy is Demario Pleasant, who Demario Pleasant. did become a suit who was a sooner, was a bigger linebacker, but wasn't as yeah, successful a, as Lou Baker. Yeah, yeah, thick physical inside linebacker. Uh, you know, but Lewis couldn't could not gain weight for the life of him. He did everything and ate a bunch and just, you know, he was one of the first, you know, uh Sam Roy back cheetahs that Oklahoma kind of shifted to. He was right before once they Casey Keenan. Yeah, once they used him with once they used him with Curtis Lofton at nickel linebacker, he was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, they tried him at safety; was a failure. Um, there was a Baylor game where we go to overtime in 05 where he got burned <laughs> on a deep touchdown pass, and we were like, "Why is Lewis Baker playing safety?" He's like, "Well, you know." They're trying. They're trying. That's what his friend looks like. Good football so. player. Do you want to get him on the field? And so, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, I, I think – I absolutely think Trene can can become in, and play uh, tight end. It's just a matter of I think you want – if doing so, I would hope that the scheme shifts a little bit and it's not, hey, you know, 30 snaps, you're you're leading up on the he's mic. Not Braden, he's not Braden Willis. He's not. He's, he's not, not. going to be Braden. not. I mean, he's other than the fact he, he actually looks like a teenager in high school where, you know, Braden looked about 35 when OU signed him. Um, he's not Braden Willis, and he's not a bigger bigger tight end. I don't think he gets to be that size. But, again, we've just 
he could stay at wide receiver. He could be a big wide receiver, right? Um, could easily that could easily be a place for him. Um, he could be a safety. He could be a cheetah. Um, so it looks like to me, uh, Caleb, that OU may just sign five or six, six four, two hundred and ten pound guys in twenty five, and just figure it out later. Hey, they go look. They get Jonah Williams. They got Marcus James. You get maybe uh, uh, Matai Tagaway or CJ. Uh, uh, there's a guy from Tennessee. Um, uh, I think his name's Jim Colley. He's six three, two hundred. They're looking at. Um, they just offered a linebacker from Kansas who's six three, two ten. You know, uh, I need to check his film. That offer just happened this evening in the middle of the Trinity Washington commitment. Uh, so if it just looks like there's a lot of guys like that that they're that they're focusing on, and maybe if you're Brent, you're like, I if I find I got five guys who are six three, six four, who all can be somewhere between two fifteen and two thirty, and and fly across the field. We'll we'll find a way to get them on the field. So yeah, and that's as I said, that's the thing, right? No team has ever said we have too many big long athletes with ball skills that can run and physical. Like no, you, you never. No team ever lined up and said ah. You know, we got too many more, of those I guys. I need more speed and athleticism. We, I need, need more speed, speed, athleticism, and length. Yeah, and we don't have a. We have too much of this. I need some shorter, stockier, squatty, sword off guys who are slow and can't change direction. Uh, okay, coach, we'll, we'll we'll go to like you know, we'll 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 go to like two A ball and somewhere and go find some three or four guys like that for you. Um, yeah. To close so it out on on him, I would say the thing I'm probably I'll be it'll be I didn't always love these things like it's really fun to watch, right? And it's kind of one of the reasons I think most most people, and not everybody, I suppose some people just follow the draft because they are a diehard fan of a particular team. But I think just as a generalized football fan, one of the things that's so great about the draft is you they'll tell some of the backstory about the development of the guys, how, hey, here's what they were in high school, here's what they, you know, and here they are going to the NFL. Uh, and it's something, you know, again, you look at like Trené, and here is this, you know, big, long, lean, athletic kid. Him committing right now, uh, Kevin Sperry and Marcus James and that group being just right up the road from from Norman, you know, they're going to spend a lot of time there. I'm really yeah. interested. I'm really interested to see, you know, today he's a six four, two hundred and five pound hybrid, right? What is he going to be in one year from now when he's playing his senior year? He may be six four, two twenty five, and I'm sitting here going, no, that's probably a guy that can play tight end as an every down because he'll be two forty in college. You just, you know, you really, you never know sometimes. Yeah, it's. You, you- there's a lot of they're 25 kids, right? They're committing the fall of their junior year. They have a lot of development runway, and that's the one thing about these guys, right? I mean, James and Washington are both, as you said, they're long, athletic, and they have they have development runway that that goes for miles, right? So it's absolutely. And it's it, not a know. guy where you're like, yeah, he's maxed out in high school. I don't know what he's going to be in college. That's we're not talking about that at all. This is yeah, Carl Albert's not. Uh, Carl Albert's not like Katie or Allen, you know, where it's, hey, we've got, you know, ex-NFL guy. I mean, they do. And, of course, Jimmy Lorkerson's on that staff. But I just mean, it's not like uh, we've got this ex-NFL guy that's going to coach you and you're going to go to this, uh, you know, this training facility down the road. You're doing this for personal coaches for years and you're focused on one position. 
you know, you watch both those kids and it's like, hey, they're playing corner, safety, tight end, linebacker, uh, wide receiver. They're just really good football players and they're playing all over. So like their best football is they're both fantastic players, but you you know, they're, their best football is even way ahead of them. All right. So that's the commitment news. And we went on to go a little in depth there because we just felt like those three guys were worth it. Uh, especially the two guys from 2025, because we've been talking about 25 momentum. We still got some more news on that coming up. So Caleb, so oh, you had two big recruiting weekends in June um, and had a mass of players that came in during those weeks. And at this point, we're down to two guys who visited and have not committed to OU or somewhere else. And it's the same names we've been talking about for the last, I feel like the last two months at this point, a little bit. So the first name is Grant Bricks. So Grant Bricks visited Nebraska over the weekend. He saw them beat up on a punchless Purdue team. Although punchless and Big Ten West seems a little bit redundant at this point. You saw that. Some yeah, are you gonna mention it? The, the, that some some analysts figured out that uh, so the, for, the the French junior basically got fired by the AD over during this week. The AD, well, the AD I did said, see not, it did make sense AD. though. Yeah, you yeah. saw that why because there's a nepotism rule in Iowa, yes, and so yes, Brian yes, Ferentz exactly. could not yeah could not roll to his dad. Yeah. He had to roll to the AD. His dad. So Kirk couldn't save him, and the AD's like, "I've had enough of this. You are a national joke." And I'm done. So yeah. the AD stepped in and said, "We're not, we're not renewing your contract. Thank you for your service. Good luck in future endeavors." But the ironic thing is, the seven other uh, offensive coordinators in the Big Ten West all would be fired under the contract metrics of 25 points per game if they were applied across the board to the entire division. So it's no one in the Big Twin West is averaging 25 points a game. uh, And their offensive coordinators all probably should be. Except I'll give the Northwestern guy a break. uh, Because they just went through so much crap. And he came in and that guy's doing a a good job keeping that team together. You know, they're not very good. They don't have a lot of talent. Keeping that team together. but yeah, the, all the all the offensive coordinators should be should be gone. So, um, but to get back to our story, so Grant Bricks went to Nebraska, and since then everyone's like, "Oh, he's, he's going to commit to Nebraska." Uh, he didn't commit to Nebraska. He hasn't committed to Nebraska. He's come back from his Nebraska visit and said, "I'm going to visit Oklahoma, and I'm probably going to visit K State too." So he's talked to a couple of services about those. A couple of services have actually gotten Grant Bricks on the phone. On the record, not just Parker Thune over at OU uh, Insider, who seemed to be the only guy willing to drive to Iowa to, to get a to get an interview with him. So now some other guys have talked to him, and he's sounds like he's going to be at the West Virginia game. So OU will get a shot there. Now, Caleb's of one mind on Grant Bricks. I'm on a slightly different mind on Grant Bricks. I don't know how it'll work out. Maybe I'm being too optimistic, and Caleb is being dead on pessimistic, but. And right now, it looks like Bricks is going to give OU another shot, may visit K-State, and may announce, I think, in early December. That Ooh. would be my guess. Unless he just visits OU and decides to shut it all down and make a choice between OU and Nebraska, 
or if for some reason he visits K-State. And, and I'm not sure if he can visit. Because we've got, we've got the Thanksgiving games coming up faster than you would think. It's creeping in, it's creeping, it's creeping in there faster out. than you would think. So uh, I'm not sure when he's going to visit K-State. So that's where Grant Bricks is. It seems as confusing as ever. And he probably should have taken uh, visits in September if he really wanted to have decided in October. That seems to be the, the, the long and short of it. So Eddie Pierre-Louis was supposed to go to the UCF game this weekend. Just like he no-showed on OU, he no-showed on UCF. And Oregon is trying to make a run on this, it looks like, from the internet community. Um, so I'm not sure what the tiebreaker is here. If he shows up for the West Virginia game, I, I think that's pretty much like OU needs to nail him down then, there and then, get him on campus and get him to come. Well, I, and if you believe the internet rumors, he's already committed to UCF and Oklahoma like once or twice already, or two coaches, <laughs> and he hasn't followed through with a public announcement. So if, if, you, if you follow the forecasts and predictions, that's kind of the way it looks like it's gone a little bit. So uh, Eddie could choose to go to Oregon after OU. He could choose to stay home. Uh, Caleb, I'm, I'm predicting Eddie Pierre drags this all the way to signing day. And unlike you, I think, and whereas you think distance will win with Bricks, I think distance is going to win with Eddie Pierre Louis. So, well, I I think that's the best way to say this. I think an outside factor, more related to likely NIL, will win out with Eddie Pierre Louis. Is what I think. And I think ultimately that won't be Oklahoma. I think he doesn't end up at Oklahoma. I think it's very, I think in a lot of ways you'd call him what sounds, what sounds like at least from what we've heard from sources is kind of polar opposite recruits. You know, I think uh, Grant is a small town kid that is torn. You know, I think his, his head tells him, hey, I think truthfully, uh, what we've heard, right? Head says Oklahoma is the best place for him from a developmental standpoint, a football standpoint, and, and all of those things. But he's just, you know, he probably wants to. At the same time, I, this is why I, my concern with him, like Hart is with Nebraska, and I think he wants to believe that Nebraska can be that developmental place for him. Like he wants to believe that, you know, rule in the NFL and, you know, it's Big Ten and it's offensive line, like, hey, this is where I want to be or where I, I could I could be as successful. This is, again, my assumption that uh, that's, that's where he's torn there. Could be totally wrong. You know, it could be just a matter of a kid that is torn and does see pros and cons with every school and he's going through a process and he, you know, even though he said, I want to commit, he's like, Hey, I don't have enough data points to do so. So let's take another round of another round of visits because I would, you know, you make a, you make a good point that he went to Nebraska. They had a good game against Northwestern. Uh, <laughs> he called big 10 football, big 10 West football, a good game. I watched the Iowa, Minnesota, and it was, it is not good football. Uh, but I digress. You know, it could be just, hey, I've got to run this thing out. With with Eddie Pierre Louis, I'm with you there. I, you know, again, what sources have said. It's a, weird, it's a weirder recruiting. It's just, it's, you just get the feeling it's going to be, you know, they're, and it's just, you know, there were a handful of kids. There was a quarterback that was committed to Baylor. I don't think, can't think of his name, that signed with uh, Oregon, added just down the road from me here. He's, he's uh, from Dripping Springs, Texas. Uh, there's another 
you know, some defensive line, some offensive line here and there that, you know, Oregon was kind of just around for. And then late swooped in and just pulled, just snagged him and got him. And, uh, you know, I, 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 if I had to pick, I'd say like, I wouldn't be shocked if, if the NIL package that Oregon eventually lands on and decides to offer Eddie Pierre-Louis, if that's not what gets him to go, okay, I'll go to Oregon. Uh, you know, so, uh, hopefully fingers crossed on Grand Bricks. I think Oklahoma needs, I think they'll pr- absolutely go portal hunting. They'll have to, they're going to have to go, whether it's one, two or whatever that looks like. But, you know, the, again, you also, you need to go get, uh, uh potentially elite, uh, high school offensive lineman, get him in, develop him, and go. Yeah, it's. It's getting it's getting out of crunch time. Four high school four high school offensive linemen doesn't cut it. Five is okay. Six is six is great, right? It's yeah. Four's not doing your job. Five is okay. If you get bricks or any pair, we're like, okay, well that's that's a really good guy you're getting. So okay, that's a that's a good job. Six would be like, all right, this is what we want, and then take some momentum into twenty five and close on the guys at twenty five that you seem to be doing a good job with and. There are lots of good names talking OU, talking up OU. There's a there's a lot of depth in the North Dallas metro area. So yeah, okay. Um, there's some guys at Bishop Gorman. There's a very talented offensive lineman out in Kansas who seems to be uh, seems to be. I, I I'll have to double check on this. I think he's like a you know first generation uh, African. Uh, he's Nigerian. I think he's Nigerian. His family just moved to the U.S. recently. A little bit like uh, Williams Winery and, and P.J. Adeware. So um, his name's Andrew Babala. Um, he's big guy, 6'5", 280, big athlete. So there's lots of names for 25. So, yeah, I agree with this. We just – we need it – Just it's the, it's the waiting game. Hope, I'd love to have both kids show up in Norman, right, have a, have a massive feeling of this is where I should be. I should stop screwing around and <laughs> pulling the trigger, but – that's not the way these kids have been managing their recruiting. It's not. And it's I, not had any. It's not had any decisiveness to it. So let's hope they I, both get to Norman, have good visits, and OU at least has a shot moving forward. Well, I think, but Oklahoma is still going. They're still trying and working to get Jordan Seaton in. Yeah. Uh, for the West Virginia game, I don't know. No clue where that is going to land. But I would say two guys. That I to me very interesting, and I would love to know if Oklahoma is still uh, at all involved with them, and don't know if they are, don't know if they aren't. Uh, just again, no real, no real clue there, right? Uh, I'm hoping they are, but we know there's going to be some movement. There's already talk of some movement, and, and the two guys I'm thinking of is Andrew Sprague out of Kansas City, Missouri, and then Blake Frazier out of Austin Vandegrift High, and uh, both of them are Michigan commits. And, you know, all the chatter going on up there, the fact that Michigan withdrew the offer from Harbaugh would make him the highest-paid coach, at least in the Big Ten. don't know if that was going to make him the highest-paid coach nationally, but it was absolutely going to make him the highest-paid coach in the Big Ten. And just kind of everything, you know, I'm I'm of the opinion, like – like I joked about it last week. Everybody's doing it to some degree. They may have be, been doing it worse than others. Maybe not. Maybe nowhere close to what some others are doing that we don't know of. I don't know. Uh, but there seems to be getting enough chatter there. I mean, I will say this. The Big Ten coaches getting their panties in a bunch. Like, 
I joked, you know, I joked right with somebody in our in our group chat. It's like a particular coach. I was like, I'd legit pay money. Like I would pay a decent amount of money to fist fight that guy. Uh, I kind of feel the same way about Ryan Day. Like I would put down like a good little like chunk of money to go like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna bare knuckle it out, right? So so if so uh, if I want to form a charitable event, it's get me to get me to Cummings versus Ryan Day. In a uh, in a charity charity boxing match, okay. All right, yeah. See the what I can do the anger, the, the anger, like <laughs> the blow hardness and like the, the yelling and being like that. It's like, yeah, it's just it's so unbecoming. It bothers me. But it's, uh, it's the stupidity you know, but, of their level of cheating, though, that's kind of getting me. Like, oh, absolutely, really, just, really, dude, really got really. You're well, that's what you're I, hiding on the sidelines, and well, that's and, what I was going with, like the whole Ryan Day thing and all the Big Ten coaches being so upset. It's like. They're wanting them to to make a move and do something to Michigan now. And to me, it's like, look, like we still live in America. You're still innocent until proven guilty, and everything has to be brought to light before this happens. I not, I hate, do not believe in the whole cancel culture thing in any way, shape, or form. And this is a version of that in college football. Let everything come out. Let everyone have their day, particularly in this instance, because it's not just Jim Harbaugh or anybody on that staff, the the Connor Stallions or whoever that is, right? It's not just them that you're going to be harming. As a matter of fact, I would contest they'll be harmed probably far less than the 85 guys on scholarship and the 105 guys on that roster, right? Like, so don't don't get all your panties in a bunch and start screaming, ah, they're guilty. like. Maybe, probably. How guilty? I don't know. Did he do a lot of this on his own because he was wanting to prove and he's wanting to drive value inside that organization to move up? Potentially. Is that maybe not true? Like, yeah. Like, but like, find all those things out first. Bring it all before whoever's going to be the judge, jury, and executioner, right? And then, and then make a decision. Don't in the middle of uh, November decide, you know what? We're just gonna we're gonna axe this program, kill eighty five kids' careers in a year they had a chance of a national title because we think all of this rumor and innuendo might be true. Well, so they have a we'll see we'll see if, what, what evidence comes to the light of day that we can actually see. But it's but it's, I'm just it's, thinking it's, from it's an Oklahoma they, perspective, can you go poached with the offensive <laughs> linemen that are in this recruiting class? Well, let's let's since you brought it up and we'll get way out of our topic range, we'll get back we'll roll it back in a second. If if Harbaugh left, do you think Sharon Moore gets that job? The head coaching job? No, I don't. Okay. I don't. I think Michigan will probably go for someone that's got head coaching experience and uh I don't know who that would be. But yeah, I think they would definitely definitely go for Well if Sharon's out in the wind, experience. yeah, you could have some offensive line commits out there and obviously uh uh Andrew Sprague is from Casey Rockhurst. Getting him down to a, getting him down to a visit to OU would be very easy. Oh, he's got connections there, and if you could, if you could add Andrew Sprague to this recruiting class, and you somehow closed close Grant Bricks, that would be. I'd be like, okay, you've just turned around that. You've just that again. You've gone a six offensive lineman, and that's six high school offensive lineman, and that's a that's a really good looking class. I I like the look of that class. So now we don't have to discuss this question. That's a question to pose, and then listeners can think on it as well. If that was to occur and Sharon Moore was without a job, if you're Oklahoma and you're Brett Venables, do you look at that and say, I've got to find a way to make room for him on my staff, given what he's done at Michigan, 
the past two years and what he's done in recruiting and how their offensive line has played and you get any kind of how he's recruited, right? And he is there, he's been their offense coordinator both last year and this year, which I don't see Oklahoma going to like that offense, right? But just in terms of would he be additive as a coach and recruiter in whatever role it was? I mean, he's coached tight ends, he's coached offensive line, offensive coordinator. Uh, it's, it's a, you know, it's maybe it's, it's an interesting question if Michigan does truly kind of go go sideways um, in this whole in this whole issue. Um, but I I think I think everyone it's stall stall. Even if even if Michigan is completely guilty and Harbaugh's completely guilty, he'll if he's if I'm him, I'm following the KU Bill self defense. Sorry, KU basketball fans, you know this is true. You admit it to yourself. It's the stall, right? Stall deny, stall deny, stall deny. Um, until it's pointless and you get a pointless penalty two years down the road, even though you're on FBI wiretaps talking about moving two hundred thousand dollars to different to different athletes. So, uh, but that goes that goes to all of the schools. Only OSU really got screwed in that situation. Um, so yeah, all right. So back to football. Back to football recruiting. So they got two guys from Carl Albert. So in-state recruiting is going really well, but. We have another in-state kid announcing on November 10th, Alexander Shield Knight, the defensive end uh, from Wagner. He's listed at 6'3", 220 right now. I think the 6'3 might be a little generous, but he's very – last year he was extremely productive. This year he's playing really well. He's got a knee brace on. Caleb, did he hurt his knee this year? Um, at some point, I think, if you watch his – his early film, so the in to me, I think you see a difference in how he moves. I don't know if you notice the yeah, same. Yeah, I think he's when you hurt. watch he's playing hurt. Yeah, when you watch his first, I don't know, three four games, he doesn't have the knee brace and his his get off and his run it. Yeah, and how yeah. he moves is very different. And then yeah, his last few films, he does have a knee brace. So I don't know if he hybrid. And he's not he's not or, as quick, but he's still making lots of plays. He's very consistent, very productive. All signs indicate that he's going to probably choose OU as well. If you want to, I'm going to take the, I'm, Kayla, I'm going to steal the world's easiest comp here. So if you want to wonder, if you ever wonder what Trace Ford would look like if he signed with OU <laughs> and it was, and, and, and rolls with Brent as a freshman, uh, I think Shield Knight to him is a really, really good comp right there. So um, it does give OU two D line guys. With him and Kamori Moore, they're both, you know, going to be three stars, maybe high three stars at best. So um, I do worry. A Very bit. interesting. You know, does OU taking two guys a little early? Um, not a great. I, I was on the, uh, the Twitter space X space with Barry on Monday, and and I was explaining it. it's just it's not a very good or deep defensive line year in region. I mean, bigger. I have guys. not looked at Kamori Moore's. He's now a junior, correct? Yes. This is a junior. Tape either. I haven't looked at this tape okay. either. I was going to say, I, I would. Lo- I need to go back and look at it because I thought when I watched him as a sophomore. There was a lot right? there. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. Well, there's a lot there. And that's why I come away being like, again, you're projecting out, don't know what yeah. else is in the class yeah. and things like that. If you told me he was a four star kid, I would say, again, need to see it. He's dropped some weight. Like, I would expect that from what I saw as a sophomore. Yeah, he what might I be saw more was, explosive, yeah. more explosive, making more plays, a little bit more in the Jaden Jackson kind of like, whoa, okay, how do you block that guy kind of at the nose? So we'll see, but um, I think he's going to choose OU. I, 
again, as you said, on, on film, his, his sophomore film, he's explosive. But, you know, he's being very productive. He's like got 21 tackles for loss, 11 sacks in nine games this year. He's, and if you watch him on film, he's still making the plays. He's still getting to the quarterback. He's still stopping the run. He's a very productive guy. This is a um, – he's well, – well, we're going to talk about why Gilmore a little bit, and maybe there's a, some – Maybe there's some, some carry over there as well. So now I've been talking about Tristan Hayes on the pod and based upon all the forecasts and predictions that he was going to be the next commitment. Now, maybe I'm getting my wires crossed and the noise I was hearing on Hayes is really all about, um, it's about Trinidad Washington. So I'm listing him here. I think Tristan Hayes is about to commit. I think he's going to commit sometime in November. We don't have a date yet. I thought it was going to be after James. He didn't want to take James's, um, you know, publicity away from him. But then you've got his teammate literally at James's announcement announcing. So uh, I put a put a question mark. Tristan Hayes, I think, could fall to OU in November. But I'm not as sure as I was two weeks ago uh, based upon the Trene Washington kind of like jumping into the fray. So we'll see what's happening there. But Shield Knight, I think, is definitely going to probably commit to OU on November 10th, and that will give OU eight commitments for 2025, with six that, of them six of them being in-state. Where that starts to get really interesting is C.J. Nixon. Yes. And uh, I think Oklahoma's, uh, Oklahoma is recruiting C.J. Nixon as a defensive end. Correct. Uh, so, I mean, and you watch his, watch his junior film. My goodness. Uh, like that it's they play him at he's kind of an outside linebacker uh position. So you'll see him, you know, removed and he's out in space and things. But my God, that kid is uh he's as long <laughs> he's uh he's just a unique uh a unique specimen. Yeah, I think he's him at defensive end, I guess where I was going with that is it becomes interesting because I think with Shield Knight you're I think to, to be fair, you're looking at uh, probably a limited ceiling, unless you know. Could be wrong there. He is a you know kind of a yoked up kid. Does spend a lot of time in the weight room. You know he may he may get on the college game. I remember, I remember not to compare him to Shane Ray. I remember Shane Ray Shane Ray coming out of a uh, it's like Raytown, Missouri. Went to Missouri. I didn't yeah, think yeah, a lot. Of, yeah. I didn't think a lot of him. And he went to Missouri. Uh, played in Steckles four two five. Like led the SEC in sacks and was a uh, played in the NFL for the Broncos for a while. And so. You know, again, sometimes you're like, okay, I kind of had him pegged as maybe being maxed out, not going to turn into much, and I was wrong. Uh, but where you're looking at there, it's like, okay, Shield Knight, uh, maybe kind of uh, high floor but low ceiling. C.J. Nixon, maybe the polar opposite of that, where it's like, okay, yeah. he's got a lot to learn from a defensive end perspective, but the traits and the tools and everything else, every, everything in the world is there, but he's got to get stronger. He's got to learn all the technique. So that would be a really interesting defensive end class. Plus you've got Jaden uh, Woods out in Kansas, who's another red rusher who OU's after, very talented kid, 6'3", 6'4", you know, Probably, probably will end up being 240 in college, you know, burst off the edge, pass rusher. What we're not seeing, Caleb, is there's um, uh, the Cordova kid who's 6'5", 250, um, Gus Cordova, who apparently is having, who's moved up on the rankings, apparently having a really good junior year, so I need to go back and 
look at his films. He's he's floating around, so he'd be a bigger defensive end. Maybe you know, you, maybe he gets big enough that you move him inside to three technique. But there's no real, there's no like Nigel Smith, David Stone guys out there right now. Yeah, um, there's a couple of names floating, but they're not really tied to OU. There's a kid who plays with Jonah Williams at Galveston, who looks really good. I'm just he he looks really good on film. I'm just trying to figure out how big he is. Uh, he might flash up and be like a top 100 kid. There's a couple of and there's a couple of big defensive tackles in Texas who maybe one or two of them maybe every down kind of guys. Uh, but there's also some big guys who look like they're more nose guard types. Um, but you know, at OU, I would be surprised if OU like la- as they had last year had three five star defensive linemen um, visiting. Uh, over the summer, next summer, they just the guys. There's not that many of them. The top two are both in Georgia. In George, one's already committed to Georgia, and the other guy is is. It doesn't look like he doesn't look like he's leaving. Doesn't like he's looks like he's leaving the entrenched uh, the entrenched SEC traditional schools. Some guys in Florida, um, although Armando Blount was one of them, and he jumped from Miami to FSU and to the 24 class. So. There'll, there'll be some names pop up, but right now there's not. Uh, there's a big guy in Kansas, Ju- uh, Julius Marks, Juju Marks. He committed to Missouri, decommitted. He's interesting, but Caleb, when I see his film, I kind of see, I kind of see an offensive tackle more than I see a defensive line. Um, yeah, all day, all day. I, mean, I think seen, he's. Yeah, yeah he's six, I, seven, when, you, when, six, when you said that, I watched it, and I mean, the best way to say it is, I mean, that's the nicest way to say it. He's got he's got great size. He's well put together, you know. But even when you watch his highlight, his highlight is it's not a highlight reel. Like he doesn't have. It's he's not like actually. Chasing, he's chasing guys. He's not. Can't he's, cha- he's not. He's not. Yeah, he's not actually making any plays. It's like, hey, look, yeah. I held my gap, and then he he got outside, and I chased, and I didn't catch him, but I chased. And it's like well, I'm watching it, and I'm like, well, you know, what would be great on that highlight reel is you would tackle like Make, burying people yeah, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. a sack would be sack would be nice. A sack yeah. would be nice, or you just you know lining up an yeah. offensive tackle, and yeah. Yeah, but I could see him signing with somebody. They'd be like, "Yeah, we're moving you to offensive tackle." Then three years later, he's six seven three ten, and you're like, "Oh, well, he looks great." But- yeah, you know, it reminds me kind of uh, you know, folks remember like Tevin Jenkins, uh, Kansas kid. I think he may have played eight man, but I don't know if he did actually. But he was a Kansas kid signed uh, with Oklahoma State and played yeah. I think right tackle for them, and it was the same thing. It- Never seen him in high school. And thought, oh, he's kind of a straight line, not great lateral quickness. Uh, goes to Oklahoma State, becomes a mauler, and gets drafted by the Steelers. I think in the first round. So, actually, the Bears, and he's not been. Oh, very Bears! Good. He's not my been very good. Okay. My brother's a Bears, Bears fan, of course. As being a Sooner fan, the last thing he wants is OU drafting OSU players, and then OSU players with back problems who aren't starting. Also, uh, just, you know, double his ire there. Um, so, but yeah. It, so there's not a lot of D-line guys there. So um, we'll see how that all shakes out. But this leads me to, we have our first silly season topic of, the, of, 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 the, of recruiting. So far, there's been nothing about Wesco, nothing with Nary, nothing with McKinley or Bussy or anybody, right? But we do have our first weird, somewhat strange recruiting story of silly season. So. Uh, Twitter, uh, was it was it Tuesday? On oh, Tuesday, I think. Um, Antonio, uh, 
Alfano, who's been a longtime recruiting name. He was signed with Alabama. Longtime uh, listener, first time caller. First time. Yeah. Long time, long time recruit, not made any impact on the field, really. Um, he was like a five star, top five player in the country from New Jersey. Went to Alabama, um, burnout in Alabama in a year. Went to Colorado, had some health problems in Colorado, and then left Colorado. Now he went to uh, Kansas JUCO. I don't think anything worked out there. Now he's at uh, Tim Kish's famous. <laughs> Favorite Juco, uh, Lackawanna Junior College in Pennsylvania, which used to be the the running joke that OU was going to offer uh, five guys from Lackawanna when Tim Kish was their linebacker coach back in the back in the pre Grinch days, end of the Mike Stoops era. So he's at Lackawanna. He's apparently playing. Um, when he made the announcement that he had an OU offer, Caleb, he wasn't followed on X by either Miguel Chavis or Todd Bates, which is a little bit of a red flag for a defensive line prospect. Uh, He was followed by um, Ted Roof and I think Drew Hill. So he did have some OU people following him, but I'm not sure Ted Roof is is making D-line offers just by himself for JUCOs with this much baggage attached to them. So... Uh, we could go on and on about whether this is the kind of guy who you should be recruiting, whether this falls into Brent's you recruit your own problems uh, bumper sticker. But so let's just throw all that aside. And let's pretend. Oh, that's pretend. so hard to throw aside. It's like everything. <laughs> okay. So it's, I'm asking you to throw a lot overboard. Okay. I understand. Four that. high schools in four years, two four-year colleges, two junior colleges. Okay. All right. So yes, you are right. This is, he, <laughs> there, there are, there are. He's well traveled. It's the best way. It's the nicest yeah, way to say it, right? It, what, what's what's worse than a red flag? I don't know. I thought I will say like Saptown on the site. He crushed that. Like I, I put in a note like, hey, I yeah, know yeah, 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 exactly. he went to yeah. a lot of schools. I know there's that out there. And Saptown was like, hey, here's the cliff notes, and gave a rundown of like, yeah, very. Uh, he's, uh, he's just, he did, lip, lip, yeah, lip, I was like, lip, oh, okay. Thank you for that. I was like, okay. Yeah, I see. I, but I see where you're going, right? If that wasn't the case, does his film, what do I think? Yeah. Yeah. Just if, if he had, pretend he has an offer and he's a Juco with two seasons, do you think he has two seasons to play? Maybe three? Know. Maybe three? And so I guess it depends on like when he was enrolled at colleges and think, right? Like if I don't know, that's like the weird thing you get into, right? Like, because it was COVID. COVID overlaps this too, right? Yeah, COVID does over. I think he was – God, was he a 2020 or 2019 recruit? I mean, it's, uh, it's I'd have sure. to look it up here. You, I'll look it up for you here. I'll look it up. All right. So, I think he's got at least two years, right? He's got at least two years. Okay, so he was a 20 – he was the – I believe for a period of time, he was the uh, the number – I know he's the number one defensive lineman, right? Defensive end, defensive tackle in the 2019 class. Mm-hmm. Uh Okay. He didn't play 19 at Alabama. He he showed up in spring, but didn't play. Uh, don't I don't know. So 2020, regardless, doesn't count. But I don't know if 2019 even counts, right? Yeah, 2019, Just given, 2019 counts. He may have redshirted. Maybe he redshirted. Well, I don't think he made it. I don't think he made it through fall camp with Alabama. I'm not mistaken. Oh, I think so he may think have. Was- I think he left before school started. 
I so, we my, I could be, so, he, so we, that could be like a wasted academic year and a wasted athletic yeah, year. Yeah, I think like he was not enrolled anywhere. Oh, okay. I think he just left. It was not enrolled in the fall of 19 and then showed up. Yeah, but like, does your calendar start if you enroll in the spring? Like, I don't, I don't know. All right. So like, I'm confused. Let's, let's just say this is a mess. Now, we're, yeah. we, need a, we need an NCA eligibility lawyer expert. Neither you or I are that. So I think he's got at least two years, okay? Yeah, I think so, two too. Years. I think so, so, too. Let's call it two years. Is what you're seeing right now worth him taking, knowing that we know nothing about what might be in the portal or any of the weird names that are people Ooh. suggesting in the portal? Don't know um, what's in the portal. Don't know what's in the portal. Um, don't know what's in the portal and uh, – and just you can go ahead and presume we're not getting any, we're not flipping any other more defensive line. Right? It's a five-player defensive line class. You can presume the guys coming back are coming back. So take it from there. Is he? Is he? He's reporting himself to be six five two seventy. That's what he's saying, and he's playing. And from his brief highlights, he looks like he's playing edge. He's playing defensive end. Yeah, no, he does. They play what looks like some three man. Uh, line yeah. so you'll see him kick inside and, and play he kind of plays all over uh gosh what do i think like so i would say god i wish you'd let me say like give a hunch on the portal because you know i've talked about the guy in the portal who i think's gonna go in who you know it's like ah oh, could oklahoma get this kid and turn him around uh I'm still going to say no, and I, I suppose the reason is, yeah, he's got two years. <laughs> the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Do you don't have any clue if he'll, you know, even if everything worked out, if he would still be there? And I feel really good about Ethan Downs is going to return as a starter. PJ will be a starter, and R. Mason Thomas is going to be a starter. I think Trace Ford will return, right? So. Yep. I, I'm pretty sure, like, I'm, and then you've you, got and you've got Taylor Wine, and then you've got mm-hmm. the entire 24 D line class all enrolling early. Yeah, you've got you've got Danny Akoye. Yeah, of you them. got you've got Danny Akoye coming in, and, and I think will definitely be a be a and player Nigel, for you. And Nigel Smith. Yeah, everyone's mm-hmm. everyone's coming in early. So yeah, and so um, I just don't I don't if you're strapped on scholarships in Oklahoma the way that they the way they build the roster, like where Riley would do what. 80, 78 kids, and you'd have a bunch of people, you know, it was just kind of silly. Why you would choose to tie your hand behind your back, I don't know. Brent does the polar opposite. He maxes the 85 scholarship, and then he uses NIL to go to 105, 100. You know what I mean? He Preferred walk-ons and stuff, yeah. Yeah. And so, being you're tight on scholarships, and it's likely he would be a rotational piece at best, I've got to say no. Okay. Well, that's our silly. We, to the best of our knowledge, that we're not, we don't know if it's a real offer or not. We're only going by what we can track there. We're trying to find out, but it, it seems to, he maybe has claimed a couple of offers that he doesn't have. So it's, um, I will, you know, yeah. I mean, I mentioned, I think you and I talked about it. Was it last week? It popped up and it was like, hey, LSU. And he was, all these groups you saying have offered him. And, uh, <laughs> I didn't at first. I thought, well, that's interesting. He was a former number one player in the country, or you know, former top defensive lineman in the country. And I think I remember he went to the Under Armour game, was dominant, 
right? He was just one of these guys that was further along than everybody. And it looked like, okay, Alabama's getting a, you know, plug in play, going to play for three years, go to the NFL type guy. And then that didn't happen. And I immediately thought, well, he must have really turned it around and everything is good. And then you read like Saptown's update is like, well, there's some mental health issues involved. And so I'm immediately thinking, all right, are those offers real? Well, I mean, it sounds like he actually has real health issues. It sounds like he has had, he's had epilepsy. So he's had like, a, he's had just a, a plethora of, of, of stuff. So of stuff um, like from on field, off field. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you immediately, I started going like, okay, I just don't, Again, it's like juice worth the squeeze. You're limited on scholarships. Uh, don't know what's going to hit the portal and don't know what else. Is it the junior college rank? Junior college ranks that might be able to help you, but it just would be a stretch, I think, to feel like he would come in and I don't think he'd start. And he, I could be wrong. He could come in and, and be that five-star guy. So and maybe, you know, he's going to go to LSU and, probably be a starter in all SEC and playing, you know, against Oklahoma. But <laughs> and I'm here saying like, ah, oh, he wouldn't start. But yeah, I'd say no. It's 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 a the story's a little too strange right now for me. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think right. if there was an interview with him and it came and he talked, you know, it was, you know, we knew the the offer was was legit. Uh and we knew, my gosh, like we talked about for the first couple of minutes, right? Zero clue if it's like three years. Is it two years? You know, is it three for two? Just two for two? Like, I had, yeah. If you told me he had three years left, and I would say, like, okay, because I know he didn't play at Colorado. He didn't play at Alabama. And I don't know if he played it. I think it was Independence before Lackawanna. Don't know if he ever played there or if it was like, hey, again, if it was similar where he enrolled for the spring. And I don't know enough about any various, how that works with, eligibility clock starting yeah but it's it's a little goofy so yeah for sure all right so caleb we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna jump ahead to our our mid-season film review project here since we're at the hour 15 mark so last week we did james nesta who is a linebacker who we want to who we want to turn into a a six foot five 245 pound edge 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 rushing monster so if uh, we're doing so, we're going to do another guy who doesn't get as much publicity, although he's been showing highlights on. He's been sending his highlights to uh, to Twitter. Some of the highlights are tight end, and uh, we'll get a little bit of that. So we're going to talk about Wyatt Gilmore, the defensive end who committed um, in June, right after his junior day visit, Barbecue U weekend, and Wyatt is listed as around a six five two forty five. Defensive end from Minnesota. I I honestly can't remember the last player OU got from Minnesota, to be honest, Caleb. No, no names really flashing to mind. Um I, I'm trying to even I think the last the only name I can even think of of a guy they even recruited from Minnesota was uh Chantrell Henderson, the big offensive tackle who ended up going to going to Miami. He was from the Minnesota area, I think, at one point. So um, so Caleb Wyatt, Wyatt's junior film is, uh, sprinkled over, he hasn't put a mid-season highlight package together. So it's sprinkled over a number, number of games. Have you had a chance to look at Wyatt and what do you think of Wyatt Gilmore and what is OU getting? Yeah, no, I, I 
seen a lot of his clips on uh, Twitter beforehand, and then as you mentioned, there are a number of his of his senior games on uh, on Huddle that you can watch in his senior clips. You know, the first thing that we've talked about this beforehand when you watch him is one he's every bit of that listed size if not if not a little bit bigger he might be i know he's there's a picture of him standing with miguel chavis from the summer when he committed and i know miguel measured like just a shade under six five uh it's again nfl combine and, and wyatt maybe a little shade taller right so he's in that neighborhood of six four and a half six five 250 pounds really well built uh you know athletic physical i do think he plays sometimes a little high he'll he has a tendency instead of coming out right coming out of a stance and exploding out he has a tendency that he want to pop up a little bit i mean i think that can be that can obviously be coached uh one of his clips got a great spin move i don't know if you saw that like it was a very very violent spin move it was not a uh you know he must have worked on it, either that or, you know, just very, very natural in that regard. But, I mean, we talked about, right, like first thing that pops in my mind is like that looks like, I know he's from Minnesota, but it just looks like a Big Ten defensive end. You know, it looked like when you watch the tape and you watch Michigan or Ohio State or Iowa and they've got these really good defenses and they control the line of scrimmage and they set the edge and they, you know, you you watch it and I've joked about this a little bit and thrown myself under the bus saying like, yes, we all love the twitched up guy that's this explosive edge rusher that you're like, oh, look at these traits. And, you know, again, I talk about that a lot. And then. You watch the film, you're like, oh, that this guy at X University doesn't have that. Oklahoma should have success. Then you go into the game, and that guy whips the tackle the ass all day long and sets the edge and is physical in the run game. And it's just like, God, that was, you know, uh, not what you thought, right? To me, that's why it uh all the little stuff, like his hands. He's his hands and his eyes. I think you you know you can see that right away when you watch him. Comes off the ball, brings his hands, locates the ball, sheds the block, goes and makes a play. He's always setting the edge, doing just doing the little stuff right. Gets a down block and he squeezes it, uh, you know. And as we saw like with Kansas game, right? If you if you're not physical and you don't do the little things correctly, you can get beat. And uh, He's not – nobody will confuse him with Danny Okoye. I think Danny's one of the most explosive guys from a first step and just, you know, overall ability that, that I've seen Oklahoma land. Uh, you know, he would be in a, a very small group. You know, where, where Wyatt is at is just – you can see it and everything about him. The size, the strength, the ability to hold up at the point of attack and all that little stuff. I think he's probably another guy you would say, hey uh, – you know, you look at the signing class, and you're going to see a three star, and think, "Yeah, you know, probably never play." And then he ends up being, you know, uh, a multi year starter, Don Key Award winner, and a captain. And you're like, "Yeah, you know, he was a, a fantastic player." You know, so uh, I, I, his senior film is it's everything you'd think, right? It's physical, uh, and I think he shows a lot of improvement uh, just in terms of. I would say even play recognition and play speed. I feel like he, when you watch it, he, uh, the game slowed down for him 
quite a bit, which you'd expect is it from his senior year, you know, and, 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 in uh in all things given but yeah very physical football player yeah his um it's obvious you know OU fans are we're struggling a little bit with tight end depth and he plays tight end really well uh, and he is if you want an in motion tight end to smash a defensive to smash a defensive end or a linebacker um why Gilmore seems very very interested in doing that hopefully they do a little bit of the uh, who is the Ohio State defensive end that they would bring in and play tight end for the Pats? He's the coach with the oh tight end. Mike Frabel. Like that's a yeah. decent in terms of like yeah like there's some uh, I'll say like core stiffness to Wyatt, but like Vrabel Vrabes is was the same way, right? That, that's, not, yeah. that's, not a, that's not a bad comp, right? Um, no, it's guy, really not. Just a guy like literally like you know you've got PJ or a Koye, they're kind of you know they're like driving they're going to drive tackles for loss and sacks to Wyatt Gilmore right Wyatt's going to do set the edge pass rush keep his lane and a panicked quarterback is going to run into his arms and get decked you know eight ten times a year right it's gonna be like how did Wyatt Gilmore get eight to ten sacks Do you remember when that happened yeah because he's he's the rock on the opposite side of 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 PJ and, and Danny Okoye you know defense you know quarterbacks are running right into him because they're they're avoiding the pass rush from the other side, and Gilmore is just he's just going to eat stats like tackles for loss and and sacks just because he's going to be that's if you know that's that's if everything goes right and I, he's just he just looks incredibly physical and and you know he if OU were to have if he gets on campus and hits the weight room the way I think he probably will. Um, I could see him giving some reps if OU got into an injury situation where some guys were banged up and, and OU just needs a, a physical body to, to to help at defensive end. So, I hey, that's- I, I, I agree with you there. I think there's, you know, I think one of the things I've noticed, and even maybe more and more, as the athletes have gotten better and the training that they get uh, has, has gotten better and they're just more advanced, right. Is guys that come in behind the eight ball from a physical development standpoint, sometimes they can never make that, they can never make that up. And they're just always like, Hey, just, you know, even though he was a five-star guy, you know, like Zach Latimer comes to, comes to mind there, you know, five-star linebacker out of Colorado, but he was a lean athletic guy. And because he was, you know, he wasn't, uh, you know, this naturally thick guy. It's like, it just really, he was just behind the development label until, you know, his redshirt junior, redshirt senior year when he finally started playing. Uh, but on the other hand of that, you know, you have guys like Wyatt that, you know, are in front of that. And, you know, as, so as he gets to Norman, you know, the strength and the power and, you know, uh, and those things are already there. And so, you know, just working on the flexibility uh, and explosion and, and just, you know, focusing on, on knowing the defense, he maybe he's got a little bit less to work, work on and maybe can plug in and play a little bit quicker. So our last topic of the day. So, um, Kayla, we kind of went. I kind of went back and forth on Michael Boganowski being part of this class a couple of weeks ago. Everybody on the pod knows this, and the <laughs> OU was able. OU and um, OU was able to get Michael Boganowski and Reggie Powers. Um, I don't want to go. Do not want to rehash the KU game on this pod because that's occurred on multiple places elsewhere. But 
It did occur Let's to me, it. though. It did occur to me, though, that at, when you're watching some of the injury problems and depth problems OU's having in their secondary at the tail hit, you know, recently, that maybe adding Boganowski and Powers and having a seven-player secondary class makes a little more sense than I thought. So what do you think about the fact that they're adding Boganowski and Powers in light of, you know, we are seeing, you know, we are seeing, you know, OU's, you know, playing third string cheetahs and safeties out there um, and corners um, this year. So what do you think about them? What do you think about them flexing out the DB class to include Boganowski and Powers? I think it's huge. And I think in, in today's game, you have to. And they're right. both enrolling early, by the way. So yeah, I mean, teams are just going to work predominantly in you know uh, in eleven personnel, and some people are, you know, you usually see a tight end, and say some are going to be in no type, but they're they're just going to force you to put more defensive backs on the field, you know, as we saw in the you know in that game Saturday with what which was a horrible call on Reggie Pearson. You're one one tackle away from that guy's gone, you know, immediately. Like he's he's out of the game for the rest of the game. And then as you see with like Peyton Bowen, I think it's what a rolled ankle, uh, you know, and, and he hasn't been able to play and played a little bit, I suppose, against UCF, huge sack. <laughs> when he plays, he makes plays, but hasn't played much at all the last two weeks, played, you know, what, two snaps or something in, in the last two games. And so And you're down Justin Harrington. And you're already down Harrington. Movie yeah. Cheetah. And that's what I was going to say is, you know, and they lost uh, Jaden Rowe in preseason camp, and even though we'd heard great things about him. And so you think you're deep and then you're not. And, and so I guess, uh, I think it's huge. Again, teams are just going to force you to play more defensive backs. And a lot of, a lot of people are countering and a lot of defenses were so, you know, are countering that, right. Is going to a three safety look. Hey, we'll remove a linebacker or we'll remove a defensive lineman uh, and we'll insert a safety because you still, you still want to maintain some run support because that's a, a lot of groups, not everybody. You do have your air raids that, you know, want to spread you out to just continually throw the ball. But a lot of them are that we want to spread you out to get a, a favorable look in the box. And once we get a light box, we're going to run. And how you counter that is got to have physical safeties, got to have safeties that can tackle and you tell them to trigger quick. And so, yeah, you know, Boganowski and powers, and then you've got to, you add them to a Jaden Hardy. It's, you know, Oklahoma's got to continue to just add players and, and, and make that, make that, make that entire room, you know, like a, it's called a survival of the fittest because you're going to play a lot of guys, but you know, uh, one of your better, got to be one of your better uh, position groups on the team. The way way things are played, good defenses are good up the middle. You're good at defensive tackle. You're good at Mike linebacker, and you're good at safety. Yeah, I, the scoop guys went to go watch Boganowski's um, high school football game. They posted some footage on YouTube, and he looked like a much better, fluid athlete than. I think some of his highlights have portrayed. I know Barry was just raving about his athleticism, but he looked he looked every bit like, okay, that's a safety who can stay on the field every down, can play all over the place. Um, so and I'm pretty and I, I like really like Reggie Power's senior film in that regard as well. So and I've been, as you know, Caleb wants Caleb wants a six foot five, two hundred and eighty-five pound offensive lineman. I wanted a six foot one, six two. 
190, 195, 200 pound safety. Well, I got two of them, Boganowski and Powers. <laughs> both fit that category of having a little more size, a little more length, which I think when you complement them with the guys they have at cornerback and you Jaden Hardy and Michael Patterson McDonald, now you, you know, you, you know, you know, it's you all of a sudden, you know, if it's if it's Jaden Hardy at 5'11, 185 at one safety spot, but he's flanked by Reggie Powers, who's 6'1, 205. Okay, that, that works, right? If he's flanked by Boganowski, who's 6'2, 200, 210, that, that makes sense. So if you have both Boganowski and Powers out there with Jaden Hardy, um, usually three safeties, that, that's a lot of athleticism, a lot of length, a lot of playmaking. So I think it was a good move by OU. But I, I got to admit, I was not doing my class pro- projections. I didn't have a seven-player DB class in mind when I thought this was going to pan out. And, and of the silly rumors still out there, one that won't quite be you know extinguished is that OU is still talking to Kobe Black. I don't know if that was going anywhere <laughs> or not. But in the silly season, in the spirit of the silly season, I thought I'd mention it since OU does have connections. Uh, Brent and his dad have a long-time connection, so if for some reason. He doesn't decide he doesn't want to go to Texas, which I think where everyone has him going. Um, uh, you know, I, would I be, if they added Kobe Black, would I be fine with an eight-player class? Yes. Would I be fine if they added Williams Veneri with a six-player D-line class? Yes. Um, right. Add McKinley? Sure. Terry Bussey to make a six-player wide receiver class? I'm not so sure about that right now. Um, uh, even Dozy. Dozy, Dozy. Dozy had a fantastic game over the weekend. I'm not sure if you saw. He had like 10 catches, like 260 yards. Um, oh, no, I didn't. Yeah. Um, Taylor Tatum went off for like 30 carries for like 250. And uh, Dozy uh, Ekizoma went for like 10 catches, 12 catches for like 230, 240, something like that. It's, it's uh, I, I've, I've used this a couple times for some of the different recruits in this class that, hey, he's maybe the least talked about uh, player. Dozy is actually the least talked about recruit and commit in the class. You know, there, we talk a little bit about obviously the two quarterbacks, the running backs, uh, the tight end, uh, the speed at receiver, you know, with, with Reagan's and, and Daniels. And obviously what I, what I think of Kearney and we touched on all these defenders, right? Even you've brought up, you know, Jeremiah Newcomb a number of times about how just, you know, underrated and, and good he is and just such a solid player. Dozy is just this forgotten, forgotten guy at wide receiver. And yeah, uh, he rolls, he'll redshirt probably, depending on how things work out. And then all of a sudden, we're like, we'll hear about him next spring. Like, who's the 6'3, 200 pound guy, you know, blazing past people? I was yeah. going to say, yeah, yeah, it's Dozy. Oh, going to be okay. just like his brother, right? Brother yeah. went to tack and wasn't a, wasn't a big, hey, he wasn't a big, he wasn't a big time recruit for tech. He was, you know, he was a three star kid and, and yeah. kind of what tech majors in Texas tech is, is those. And he was another one of them. And then, yeah, three year starter, I think two time all big 12 playing for the Dolphins. And, and so it's just, you know, you never, you never can tell. Uh, yeah. yeah. So wouldn't be shocked if that was, if that was Dozy's path, you know, to come in and, and play right away. So guys, we're going to, thanks for listening. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, if you want to follow me on X, I am cm underscore Sooners360.com. Uh, obviously, if you want to talk to Caleb and I during the week about recruiting or listen to Caleb's 
penetrating, painful breakdown of the Kansas game. Uh, you could be on that mess on our message board as well to see to see uh, to see that. Um, hopefully, we'll have a better breakdown on the OSU game coming up. Um, a little more positivity positivity to the site. Um, so please subscribe there. You can talk recruiting with me. I posted my prediction should be up tomorrow for the class. I'm going to be working on the 25 players for 2025 to track, which apparently has three more commitments basically added to it. So it's now really eight verbals, so more like 17 guys to track for 25. Um, But all of that content is on our site, plus uh, analysis from Barry Wise, player game analysis from Damian Mackey, just good content on there. So please subscribe, give us a chance. We'll be back next week with another podcast to talk about. I don't know if we'll have a verbal commitment or not. The Shield Night verbal won't probably occur um, by the time we talk about it, but we'll, we'll be close. And and Caleb, just as a sneak preview, next week I'm going to have you do the Zerbrug versus Michael Hawkins Jr. QB battle off. So <laughs> we're going to have you break down their senior film and give some opinions on the two quarterbacks that OU's taking. Because of all the stories in recruiting, that's maybe as fascinating a story as that is out there. You couldn't – two different guys – I'm sorry, he would be our other Ohio guy, right? Oh, God, yeah. Zerbrug is an Ohio guy. Dad's yeah, a Michigan so, alum, played quarterback there with Jim Harbaugh, but he is an Ohio guy. Yep. So um, we'll hit that and go over that and you know have, a, have some discussion about that since two freshman quarterbacks – Entering OU hasn't happened since uh, early Bob era. Wait, was, was, it, was it? No, no, no. I was going to say it was Keith Paul Nickel. Tom? I was going to say was Keith Nickel the same class as Sam, but he was no, not. Sam was Richard. Sam was a year. Sam was a year before. Yeah, we did. We didn't know what we didn't know what Sam was. Everybody was like, "Oh, we're freak. We're screwed up quarterback." And meanwhile, so it's it, things have an interesting way of turning out. It was Oklahoma yeah, yeah. screwed a quarterback. But they went and they got they flipped a Michigan State Elite Eleven guy, Keith Nickel, and he's gonna come in and save the day after Rhett, you know, got kicked off the team. And uh, Paul Thompson because blew his last year eligibility playing quarterback. So Yeah, and so okay, here we go. Like it's gonna be Keith Nickel and then you got Sam this guy Sam Bradford, local kid that, you know, was only offered because uh Chuck Long was really really liked him. But, and his dad know. played. His dad played at OU. Yeah, so. he's a legacy, a legacy. and Chuck liked him. And like then fast forward, house, right? He's a legacy. He's a legacy. Um, Keith Nickel plays receiver at Michigan State, and Sam is a all-time legend in college. He'll be a college football Hall of Famer. Yeah, so it's just it's crazy. I think the last two guys OU signed Paul Thompson and someone else in Paul Thompson's class. was it Hunter Wall? No, no, that Hunter the the burglar Wall was before that. <laughs> Did he get in trouble for that? Yeah, he was he was he was breaking into houses to pay off his hot pot habit. I believe I believe that's the story. If Hunter is now like a bastion of community and is, you know, sorry, sorry, Hunter, if that is all incorrect, but that was the rumor going around. But the rumor, the, okay, the rumor me, at the time that was the alleged, sorry, alleged burglar Hunter Wall. So it was Noah Allen. There we go. He never played either. Uh, he actually yeah. got busted for steroids. Noah Allen did. Yeah. At quarterback. In at that. quarterback. <laughs> quarterback, yeah. So back in the day. So um yeah, so it's the it's the first time since that's oh oh three. That was oh two. 
2002, the last time OU signed, I believe, two high school quarterbacks in the same uh, the same class, two freshman quarterbacks. And they had some interesting quarterbacks come through at that time with Noah Allen. The backstory there, Hunter Wall. The backstory. Then you had Tommy Brett Grady. Rawls, Tommy the, Grady, Tommy Brett. I fell out of the back of a pickup truck. Rawls. Yeah, um, that's how he got a concussion, falling out of the back of a pickup truck. Um, from uh, Bishop uh, from Shreveport Evangel, his high school film was uh, they would snap the ball eight yards back. He would be in like a ten yard pocket, be in the shotgun ten yards from the line of scrimmage. Yeah, their offense. That's what their offense was. It was crazy. Um, yes. Yeah, so oh, Shreveport. Yeah. Yeah, Shreveport Evangel. He was he was part of that um, Berlin. Um, uh, the booty. Um, the the booties come from there from Shreveport Evangel. That's where they were initially. Josh and um, and uh, uh, I think Josh was the guy who was supposed to be with the Marlins, right? Um, the back in the day. So. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Tommy, uh, and Tommy Grady from Huntington, California. He, uh, so I did an internship with the Yard Dogs uh, when Oklahoma had the Arena League, right? Yeah. And Tommy was, uh, Tommy was, Tommy and yeah. Xavier Lee were the quarterbacks. You remember Xavier Lee? But yes. I will say this: Tommy could rip it. Like his all, yeah. he had, he had an absolute. It was a little three quarter. He's like six six, six seven. Big guy, but he could he could he could rip it. He uh, he, I mean, he he's had an all timer. He's an all timer in terms of arena league. Yeah, he had academic problems at OU, and that derailed him because Bob's like Bob. You know, one of Bob's rules. You know, you cannot be. I cannot be worried about my quarterback missing missing classes. Yeah, I think he Tommy. ended up transferring to Utah, right? And then yeah, he did. He for, did. Yeah, well, gosh, that probably would have been a bad time at Utah because it was yeah, they were still yeah. doing some of the zone read stuff post urban. Yeah, he was uh, he was uh, just been right around Alex Smith, there. right? Yeah, yeah, right close to Alex Smith in that. And, uh, probably a little bit after, I think, right? Because he think he was at Oklahoma like three four. He was at Utah like five six seven or something like that. And so it would have been. I'm trying to think. Urban what went to Florida six oh, six oh six. Somewhere in there, six five, somewhere yeah. in there. So, but if they were still doing, I think they like Brian Johnson or somebody. They were still doing a lot of the zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. offense so, had carried over. So just a bad timing, bad fit for him. I, he'd have been a great quarterback in Iowa. You know, they always need guys that can rip it. I just got to make fun of Iowa quarterbacks because that game I watched in Minnesota was the worst thing I've ever seen. And it's 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 there are we may have our struggles with, with Jeff Levy, and we may have our struggles with some of the stuff that's gone on. It's not times, Big Ten but, West struggles, but it's not. But it, OU legitimately scored thirty-five points. If you count two extra points on Saturday, they scored. They did actually score thirty-five points. Jeff Lebby has exceeded the the Brian Ferentz mark every game this year, except for the I guess Cincinnati. He technically was below it, so yeah. All right. But he put fifty. But he put seventy. He's put seventy. He's put seventy-seven up at 60, 60 plus twice. He's been over 60 twice this season, so that's like four games of, um, of Iowa football right there. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens. So thanks, everyone, and, and sorry for that, uh, that, that ending tangent down quarterback memory lane. But next week, we'll, we'll do the big showdown between Zerbrug and Hawkins. Thanks, everyone.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.